Alrighty, I feel very privileged today to be welcoming my first Googleable guest, Dr. Hubert. You know Dr. Hubert probably from The Vet Vault. He is the co-creator and host of The Vet Vault and he has this podcast and this amazing platform where he shares similar point of views, I guess, to what my mission is, um, perhaps to a different audience. He's also, um, he graduated in 2002 from South Africa. Correct. And he's started an emergency practice in Western Australia. He's had a blog before called The Art of Veterinary Science. Yes. Which I really loved and actually related to a lot when I was reading that. And there's all these things that, Hubert, you've done. And I guess my question to start you off is... Who would you say you really are? That's a big question, right? Straight off the bat, right? Straight off the bat, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much, first of all, for, for having me. I'm, I feel honored and flattered to be on the other side of the <laughs> mic, you know, just to, to chat about stuff that I want to talk about. Who would I say I am? That's such a good exercise to do mm-hmm. because we, we don't think about this. And I actually have done this several times to sit down with a book and say, I am Hubert Hemster, I am. Mm. And for us on a veterinary podcast, often that starts with veterinarian. Mm-hmm. I am a vet. I don't think I can pin it down. I probably, if I had to say something, I would, at this stage of my life, I would have to say primarily I'm a parent. Mm-hmm. I'm Hubert Hemster, I'm a, I'm a dad. Um, but that's a, that's a big thing. And everything else has to fit around that. Yeah. Yeah, anything else is a, is a work. I am a work in progress. Mm-hmm. It's probably the best answer. Mm-hmm. I've let go of trying to fit myself to one definition and say, well, I am curious and I'm a work in progress. And that's that would probably be my, my best shot at an answer. I say, like, one thing I do is sometimes I can just say, I am. Yeah. And then it's kind of like a period after that. The fact that I just am as whatever I show up yeah. to be on that day and having no kind of set no, no, structure, I yeah, guess, in a way. No labels to it. Mm. No labels and no judgments. Yeah, that resonates. I think that, like that works. Limited. Oh, limit, limitless. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like to understand my guests before we kind of get mm. into it a bit. And I kind of started with a heavy question. <laughs> yeah, you did. Which is, <laughs> I like to get into it. Um, I heard on one of your podcasts that you found veterinary work very difficult um, until kind of the first... In during that first 10-year mm. mark, mm. I think it, you said? That's right, yeah. What were you finding difficult in those first 10 years? Yeah, I didn't much like being a vet for, for a stint. Mm. Um, I just, there were many things. I mean, it's a challenging job. It, it's hard. It's one of those things. And I think for, for most of us who get into the vet degree, to some degree, you're a bit of an achiever. And I did well at school and stuff. I, academically, that, that wasn't that challenging for me. So up until starting to work, life was often quite easy. Mm. And I'm, I'm privileged in, uh, I can, that I could say that. And then you get into a job where, it's, where it is hard. Mm-hmm. And you, you realize that you don't know a lot. And you realize that you lack a lot of skills. So the interpersonal stuff, the client stuff, I found mm-hmm. challenging. Um, and there's the pressure of not making mistakes because up until now you don't make that many mistakes and mistakes don't have that bad repercussions. I mean, for me, the repercussions were, am I going to 
get a distinction in a subject or not and worst case scenario fail something so suddenly having a, a job that mattered and where people looked up to you and in terms of your clients they they want something from you and suddenly you're an adult you the you the dude people ask you stuff are you supposed to know or you feel like you're supposed to know do you feel like you didn't know is it that you don't yeah I felt that and I think you don't and I think mm-hmm. that's one of the things when we start I, there's, there's so much you don't know I still mm-hmm. 20 years in I, I'm at peace with it now knowing yeah. that you don't know mm-hmm. but I think maybe that expectation of well, I'm supposed to be able to do this mm-hmm. um, I think I felt anxious often about stuff anxious about p- procedures and cases and surgeries and thinking about are you going to go to council are you going to go you know and then there was this council a, as in the, to do the boards the board board yeah. complaints yeah. and those yeah. sort of things there's, there's a lot to worry about mm-hmm. um and then some of aspects of the work itself i i didn't enjoy as much as i as i thought i would mm-hmm. in retrospect it's probably just too much of i think now i enjoy it but it's because i don't try and do 60 hours a week or stuff Mm-hmm. Uh, so all those sort of things yeah didn't didn't love it and, and, and then money came into it as well because you've, i've studied for six years and my yeah. mates are all earning heaps of money and i'm working my ass off and feeling like i'm not valued enough mm-hmm. and it was all inside my head and it was all potentially fixable so uh, what happened then at the 10 year mark what yeah. was was there a, a situation was there no it was a, it was a slow awakening i think and I think mm-hmm. to some degree that that is to be expected that lots of that lots of the confidence issues, the knowledge issues, those sort of things resolve themselves mm-hmm. in time. You get better at you get better at the people skills. Mm-hmm. Client communication gets easier. Um, I found my found my groove, I suppose. It just took a long time, and I, I I learned a couple of lessons over the years of that it's that it's up to me. You know, the stuff that you don't like, whinging about it or sulking about it doesn't help do something about it Mm -hmm. either change your mindset uh or change you know don't don't find a way to not do those things or do the things that you do like Um, i think it helped that i changed to to running my own business yeah uh, around about wasn't quite the 10 year mark was that the emergency emergency service that that helped that was successful and i felt more in control of my own destiny Mm -hmm. and also the fact that that was the first time really that i what I just said about if you don't like something, change. Well, there's the first mm-hmm. big change I made. Instead of saying, well, I'm employed, it's up to my boss to make me happy. It's up, mm-hmm. up to my workplace to make me happy. To say, well, actually, I don't like these things. I'm going to try this other thing. And then I was lucky that it worked. And I suddenly went, I've done something different. I got sick of one thing and I said, well, let's do something else. And I said, oh, that worked. So that in itself gives a lot of confidence to say that, well, you can do more stuff. Is it because finally you were able to grab yeah. onto something and yeah. real like have that stability was it yeah that, i think sense? a feeling of autonomy to some degree mm-hmm. of autonomy or at least having as you say some illusion of control of saying well if i don't like this thing about the business well i'm the person who could change that mm-hmm. instead yeah. of somebody saying well no this is the way we're going to do it what if someone doesn't feel like they have control what should they do do you think yeah you mean as an employed vet or an yeah, employee? Yeah, yeah. You probably can change more than, as, as a start. Make sure that, that you, that it's not just a self-limiting belief. Because I think most of us yeah. can influence more than we realize. Mm-hmm. I, I, I've spoken to lots of young vets these days who have a different mindset and they go, yeah, I don't like the way the clinic runs. 
but I'm not going to sit in the pub and bitch about it to my friends. I'm going to go talk to the boss. And, and also not just go to the boss and say, oh, I don't like this, change it. Actually saying, we can do this better. Mm-hmm. Can I help with this? Can we start this? Do you mind if I lead this? That sort of a proactive approach saying, well, instead of just saying, well, this sucks, saying, well, it sucks, let me do something about it. Mm-hmm. So that was, would be the first thing. I appreciate that that's not always going to happen. There are employers or work situations where, the, where they will not be receptive to that. Mm. And then the next thing is then you can change. You can find another job. Yeah. Start, start your own thing or find a, find a job that fits with your values and with the things that, that you want. Mm-hmm. Then beyond that, there are things that you can't change, right? There's, there's going to be aspects of any, anything you do, not just vet-related. That will be hard, will be challenging. And also just accepting that then to some degree. Like make, mm-hmm. making sure the things that you can't change, accept it, make peace with it. Uh, it's the more I speak to people outside of our profession as well. It's, it's part of every, it's part of life, right? Mm-hmm. What's the Buddhist saying? All of life is suffering. You know, it's just how you deal with it. That's, mm-hmm. the, that's the prize. And like choose your own hard as well. Yeah, exactly mm-hmm. right. You can change things in your life and it's still going to be hard, but it's going to be hard in a different way. Yeah, that was, um, a, that was a big insight, I think. As I said, speaking to people outside of the profession and then once I became a podcast addict and listening to interviews with mm. people who it sounds like their lives are just so perfect, that it's not. Everybody has their heart, as you say. If you can be Jeff Bezos, I'm sure he has problems that I don't want in my life. <laughs> when I looked at the Vet Vault website and I was giving you a bit of a stalk because I was able to do that with you. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. You said that it's your quest to discover how to build a balanced and fulfilled life. What do you, what made you want to share that with people? With what made you really want to start the vet vault? Is there something? Yeah. So part of it is my own experience that first 10 years that I felt I wasted opportunities, just opportunities to be happy. I don't necessarily mean business opportunities, um, but that as well. You know, there's no reason I had to wait almost 14 years to start my or to do my own thing you, I could have acted much sooner mm-hmm. um, but then to some degree frustration Ben frustration with the fact that we are this profession of intelligent driven people again you don't get through the other side of a vet career through to the other side of a vet degree without having some skills and mm-hmm. talent right the fact that you've just done it shows that you have you can qualities. you have some qualities you've got mm-hmm. some resilience you've got some grit you've got you're not stupid yeah. um and then seeing all this frustration of people within the profession, that same frustration that I had, mm. saying, well, I'm not happy with this degree that I, started. I shouldn't have done it or I don't, I don't like it. And that frustrates me. It's, it feels wasteful to have all this talent and then not, not utilize it. So helping people find, find their niche, find their groove within the profession, mm. whatever it looks like, and it's very different for different people. And it's lucky that we have these niches too. 100%. And I think... A lot of people don't realize that too. Yes. There's so many different opportunities and you were talking about it as well with yeah. all the different things we can do with our vet degree. Yeah. Like you can go and start your own business doing something. You can narrow down and look at horses. You can, you know, travel. Yeah. You can, there's not many jobs where we're going to be able to go pretty much anywhere in the world and have a job. Yeah. Like it's this ticket to yeah. do look, look at Look at me, right? Yeah. yeah look at me. Yeah. So really that, South Africa to the UK to Australia. And really, relatively seamlessly, and then within each of those countries, moving around, as is my whim, really. Mm-hmm. I go. I want to go there. The last thing on my mind is where am I going to work? 
Yeah. It's just I'll find work. Mm-hmm. That's not a drama. I can you can and then that might change, but certainly we've been fortunate for the last couple of decades that there's always work. Mm. So I wanna do that. I wanna use it to travel around the world and mm. do that kind of thing. Even um in I really want to go to South America and do stuff there and I you know, I could always pick up a job there or use my skills to, yeah. to travel. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when we did the move from Perth to here, I literally just sold up there, sold sold the business and said to people, we're moving to the Sunshine Coast. And my non-vet friends were all like, okay, but have you sorted out work? Or I'm like, no, it's just not an issue. Yeah, I'll get there and I'll get work. Mm-hmm. And they all seem sort of flummoxed by the idea that you can live like that. Well, no, it's heaps of work. That's not a problem. So many privileges. So I think that was in my, is to say, well, how do we get people to change their mindset from being feeling stuck and frustrated and dissatisfied and burnt out to saying, well, you have... You have these gifts, your natural gifts, and then you have this gift of this degree that you have, and how are you going to use it for your own benefit, and then beyond that, make it bigger, how are you going to use it to make the world a better place? Mm-hmm. I notice also that you call, I call things limiting beliefs, and I notice you call them unhelpful beliefs, mm-hmm. and I think, you know, there's these certain ones I'll talk to you about, but it have you heard of the thinking, um, feeling loop? That kind of, if I, it's kind of, if I think that I'm going to be depressed and make no money, mm-hmm. or if I think about, I don't know, what something that upsets me, then yeah. it's going to create, it's going to release those chemicals yeah. that will like create that emotion for you. Yeah. And then that emotion will drive more of those thoughts. Yeah. And this is something I actually use to meditate. You can hack into that and through meditations and you can create like a new future for yourself in a sense. Um, If you get to the point where you're feeling grateful and there's different things you can do, different meditative techniques, you can start to think about and um, visualize basically a scenario you want to happen and your body doesn't know the difference between yeah, that happening in real life and that happening in your in your head because yeah. it's that thinking feeling loop. So when you think about uh, this thing I want to happen, it's releasing those chemicals and I'm getting that emotion. And then there's these epigenetic changes that actually happen, and that's how a lot of disease is created through like cortisol and whatnot mm. Mm. is through this loop. It's lowering your immune system, whatever. But you can use you can hack into that. But one thing I wanted to talk about in relation to that. Whereas um, when you come into vet science as a student, because I guess mainly students will listen to this, Uh we can feel a bit scared and we feel like there are these limiting beliefs. And I think the problem, part of the problem is that this loop is happening and you're thinking about this limiting belief that we've been told. Then we're we're having that emotional response, which is driving more of that. We fall into this loop. How do you feel about me saying that vet science is harder than other jobs? It definitely has aspects that make it challenging, more challenging than many other jobs. Mm-hmm. So I, I agree with that. They don't have to be... Yeah, look, that is... I was going to say they don't have to be that hard, but no, there are some things that are hard. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think uh, you and me being on the same mission, looking at the positive side of stuff, there's no denying that 
the positive side of stuff allows us to to do the hard bits mm-hmm. without yeah. self-sacrifice or burnout or all those sort of things. So some of those, those things we, we're not going to get away from. I also think we need to guard as a profession about uh, against self-pity and going, oh, poor us, it's just us. Because mm-hmm. go talk to your doctor friends or your policeman friend or I went camping last week with a guy who has a, and it was so interesting, a guy who has a very successful from the outside construction company uh, and I've often felt uh, inferior to this, I didn't know him really well, but it's mm. a friend through the kids and friends and that and I often looked at him as like, oh, what a success and then we went camping together and then chatting to him and listening to the challenges, listening to the stuff they have to deal with and government limitations and all these it's it's hard. Life mm. is work is hard. I felt <laughs> I felt bad how much better it made me feel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to listen to each other and go, Yeah, you can have your success. I don't want that. My job's we, we have so many other good things in our profession, put it that way. We have I talked about autonomy earlier. Um, we are such uh, to some degree unregulated profession compared to some of the other companies where there's so much red tape and things. So we have things that we have to deal with, mm-hmm. but we also have a lot of control and input and things that we could change around that so yes it is it is hard absolutely the that whole thing and it i think different things are hard for different people i struggled and and still struggle with the i'm a compassionate person i like animals i like people i want to help but then add the financial aspect in there still causes me stress Mm -hmm. i have ways of dealing with it but i can't get away from that there's that so it's stuff like that it's an unavoidable stressor that you can you can learn skills to cope with it but yeah what about um the pay situation yeah i know that that's something that we as students we go in and we're like we're going to make no money and i think the fact that we even think about that is going to drive that's just going to happen or you're just going to accept that and not change anything about it yeah yeah look it's um uh, was a big issue for me for sure as an employed vet mm-hmm. uh, I it's frustrating because you work hard you know you work hard and you talk and, and shit. is it harder than other jobs you will have friends and old schoolmates and that who have jobs that seem really cushy and they make twice as much as you and that mm-hmm. is annoying um, do they get to save lives every day <laughs> you careful about that you save know? I've heard you talk about saving yeah. lives before that's an expectation that's you don't save lives every day yeah some days I'm bland mm-hmm. and boring you can make a difference you yeah. can give relief you can change lives. you can give relief and you can give comfort and you can give reassurance every day mm-hmm. it's a it's occasional that you save a life mm-hmm. so that's not <laughs> don't get hung up on that yeah yeah but, can, yeah. but do you yeah. have an impactful career put it this mm-hmm. way those friends of yours with their high-paying jobs and that lawyers and accountants and that mm. that they certainly don't have the level of, well, I call it fun in inverted commas, but people look at to our profession and not knowing obviously all the hard stuff, but they go, what a cool job. I want to be mm. there. Somebody, I heard this somewhere, uh, Kevin the accountant, nobody at a party wants to talk to Kevin the accountant about his yeah. work, but they want to talk to you about your work. Because <laughs> it is interesting. Yeah, it is impactful. It's very... it's, cu- it's interesting. It's, it's fun. Um, but the money thing, even that, A, it's changed. Mm. You don't want to know what I earned when I qualified 20 years ago. <laughs> that was just money. <laughs> uh, it's come a long way mm. and it is changing. Uh, people are pushing for it. And I think employers, the the last, what's since COVID, the last three to five years, it's in a massive shift where because of this shortage, we had supply and demand. And if you can't find a red pole, what do you do? You have to pay more. You have to lure people. So that's really positive. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and then beyond that, there's other ways of making money. If you qualify with a mindset of going, well, I'm going to get a job, a paid job as an employee, and I want to do just the stuff that the boss requires of me, and I'm going to make a lot of money from that, no, it's not going to happen. Mm. Think outside the box. There are w- ways to supplement income. Um, the the vets I speak to on the vet world who have done well financially, and there's plenty of them. Mm. I can give you names of really well-off vets, right? made a, a big success financially of their, their mm-hmm. careers and it shouldn't be the well i was going to say it shouldn't be the primary driver for most no. of us it isn't but it's nice mm. like I, you it's asked nice earlier what that uh, is possible. yeah that shift when you said what changed for me to start enjoying my vet career i started earning because i had a business mm. and i mm. felt felt good about that it's nice also because money is linked income is linked to how much you're going to work right mm. so if i have to work because of my mortgage or because of my loans or my hex debt or whatever, if I have to work 60 hours a week just to make ends meet, that's a recipe for an unhappy career. Mm-hmm. Whereas if finances are sort of sorted out and you can be fussy and say, well, I'm going to work a bit less or take another holiday or something, that's it's a good way to take, take care of your wellness. So again, thinking outside of the box and going, there are ways, whether it's business ownership or whether it's within a business, finding a way. Go to the boss and say, look, I've noticed that we, we don't offer X service. Yeah. Or we don't have an ultrasound machine. I'm going to get good at ultrasound and let's work out a bonus system. So there are ways of making it happen. So also, mm-hmm. um, I, you get a bit sick of saying your vets don't earn any money. No, not not for the straightforward stuff, but can you do financially well as a vet? 100% yes. Mm-hmm. One thing that I was mentioning before was that idea that it's some people feel like they only have to be a vet. Yeah. Like you're going yeah. to be a vet. And one interesting thing that I've kind of been challenged with is I've had this idea that I I always say I'm going to have a vet degree. I'm not going to be a vet. That's just like the way I thought about it. But what's been happening this year with me going on placement and, you know, in our fifth year we do clinical rotations all year, I've been going wow, this is actually really cool stuff. And I've been challenged with the idea that is it okay to just be a vet as well? Yeah. And that was something that I hadn't, because I've been like, no, 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 I'm going to do these other things as well. But I've been really loving it. I'm like, I could just do this. So actually, it is really... I've heard a lot of people say vet's really fun if you do it as a hobby. Mm. that's really fun and, and, and I find that now because I don't do that much clinical work anymore it's so much more fun mm. what makes it funner do you think I genuinely think and again that's personal everybody has their own limits as to how much they can take but because of the stresses we talked about earlier because it takes a lot of resilience it takes a lot of if you're going to do it well it takes a lot of mind power it takes a lot of emotional energy mm. too much of it is too much Mm-hmm. I talked about it before, I, I'm, I'm a dead keen surfer mm. and I don't feel like I can ever surf enough but I have been on surf trips where by day seven I'm kind of sick of surfing mm. and that's the thing I love most. So why would it be any different in a, in a vet career? So just not doing too much of it adds to the fun a heck of a lot. Yeah, mm. my, my resilience going, I'm quite excited to go in. I'm like, oh, what are we going to see today? Oh, that's a really cool case. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen one of those in ages versus, oh, no, not another X because I'm so tired as I go home. Yeah. It's, it's interesting how scarcity drives value. Mm. Like even in, I don't know, marketing and that. Mm. Like 
like a product's running out, come in quick and buy it. Yeah. Like people value it yeah. more because yeah. everyone else seems to be buying it. Yeah. It's interesting, like you can relate that to the vet industry and just like going to work. If you work less, you value your time in the clinic mm-hmm. more, mm-hmm. which is probably what's happening to me as well because I've been waiting five years for this moment and yeah. I'm finally getting to do it. And it feels so good to go in there even five you know five days a week we're doing that all all year i've been doing that and it's still fun and that's what's made me go oh it's okay that's a great start if you feel that way at the start that's a really great start to say well Mm -hmm. i I love this so if that bodes well for your future career (laughs) i'll try and keep that going that's the goal anyway but yeah, what you said there about doing other stuff in addition to being a vet, I think that's that's the answer for a lot of people, not everyone. And again, I know lots of vets and specialists who we interview in that who love vet and live vet. Mm-hmm. Fine. Uh, yeah. 100%. They, they, they awesome. don't care about other stuff. They're so into that. They geek out so much on the science. I just mm-hmm. wanna, uh, it's not me, but good on them. That makes them really happy. Like, how can you, how can you work 80 hours a week and still like it? Oh, like one of my classmates is, a, is, is like that. I speak to him. He has a lives in Macau in Hong Kong and he has a business and he works harder than anyone I know. And I said to him the other day, why do you work so hard? Because I know that he's made a lot of money. <laughs> he's one of those vets that money's not the problem. Mm. I said, why do you work so much, dude? Can't you just kick back a bit? And he's shocked. He's like, because I like being a vet. Yeah. So he said, well, how do you not? It's what I studied for for six years. It's all I ever wanted to do. I love it. I'm like, okay, good on you. Mm-hmm. Good. Let's say he loves it. It's not my scene. I need to do other stuff. My, my problem, I, and I think a lot of us... Again, because you go into vet usually as somebody who has had a lot of hobbies and interests and things outside of just the one thing. And then you discard all of that and you discard your creativity and you discard your sports and all these other things you've done. Because vet, the the degree itself is so all-encompassing. And then you get into your career and you're so focused on that and you you leave parts of yourself behind. And I think Mm -hmm. it's really important if you can to pull those into either just hobbies or or again, make a Mm -hmm. career of it. You'll be a better, probably, you'll go to work happier and you'll be possibly, you know, a better vet due to the fact that you're spending time away Mm -hmm. from work. Yeah. Yeah. And if you can utilize something else like that to supplement income so that your entire financial stability is not just dependent on how many hours you spend in the clinic, great. That works Mm -hmm. for a lot of people. Yeah. As a student and just for myself too, when I listen to podcasts about thinking, mm-hmm. how we should be thinking, sometimes I get caught up thinking about how I should be thinking. Yeah. I don't know if you experience that too, because I like to, I'm trying to grow and develop in this in my brain. Mm-hmm. And um, I think students can get caught up about that too. You know, you see all this inspirational stuff on Instagram and you just end up watching all these videos and whatever it is. What's something that, if there's a vet student that has these limiting beliefs and they're just sitting there and hearing all these things, do you think there's something that as students we can do to like an action we can take to challenge them? Is it go into a clinic? Is it talk to someone that's going to inspire you? Like so just a little tip for someone? Yeah. So your question is it so that the stuff that, that you guys hear and it's definitely a concern I think it's more of a concern these days with social media and stuff as well that you it's much easier to surround yourself with all this negativity. So it's your mm. question about how do we get, how does a student move away from all the negativity that you get fed 
yeah, yes. yes. So like, how do we, yeah, because how do we stop? We hear it all the time. Mm. Mm. How do we buy into? Yeah, well, stop you, buying into that. Is you've you've, you you've heard the the saying that they say you 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 are the average of the five people you most surround mm, yourself with. Yeah, and that's so spot on. Your mindset, your beliefs, the things that you. Your stories you tell yourself about yourself is so influenced by your peer group. Mm. Actively picking where you get your information about vet stuff, about your career, I think helps a hell of a lot. So that's an action step saying, well, if I subscribe to someone on Instagram who there's a lot of negativity on there, cancel mm. it. Don't look at it. Mm-hmm. You don't have to look at this shit. Listen to the human podcast. Listen to your podcast. Yeah. Listen to the... Um, pick your friends in in the clinic. If there's a a person there that is negative about work and wages, then don't hang out with them. Don't have the, or they don't have work conversations with them because mm-hmm. it is it's a it's a self perpetuating cycle. Mm. I have this vision of a, always of a, a tin of clear white paint. That's the mood in the room, right? It's a blank slate, mm. and negativity, negative thought, not just thoughts, negative attitudes. It's like a little, just a little drop of colored paint mm. that goes in there and it fails the whole thing. It doesn't take a lot. You'll yeah. see it on the clinic floor um, and then speak up about it as well. If you, if you are interacting with friends or colleagues when you start working and there's the client dissing or, or the sucks, speak up and say, you yeah, know, that's not, I don't necessarily agree with you. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's look at the and again nobody likes anyone playing the glad game let's face up to the challenges yeah. but mm-hmm. you don't have to perpetuate it it becomes an echo chamber so move away from it pick the people you hang out with if you're working if you go and work in a clinic and the boss is negative about the profession and down on it then that's not the clinic for you maybe mm-hmm. step away from it be the bright bit of pain be, be the bright bit of paint and if you can't find it where you are go looking for it and then podcast mm-hmm. I to me, that was a big shift. Podcasts and books and the things that you consume, mm-hmm. pick the ones that have the positive mindset. Um, that was a big Even shift. Even songs as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. I can find, because I, this is random, but on my Spotify playlist, mm-hmm. I have liked songs and that's what I mainly listen to. Yeah. And I can go through, because it's in chronological order, yeah. and I can see roughly how I felt at different times of my life based on the songs I was liking. Yeah. And I think a lot of the time if I'm, you know, listening to whatever sad songs, or, mm. that's going to drive the way I'm thinking as mm. well. So it's a lot about taking in mm. the right things and like getting rid of the weeds. Maybe that's, way. I just had an insight. Because you asked me what was that shift after the odd 10 ideas mark. Mm. And to some extent... It was podcasts and audiobooks. Maybe that's why, I'm, why I started my own one. Because mm-hmm. I, I started, for, for a long time, I drove, uh, we had a lift club. I lived quite far away from work and I drove with a bunch of vets. Um, and then because of my hours changing, going to night shifts, I started driving alone, about a 40-minute drive. And I started, I discovered podcasts. Yeah. Kind of what was one of the first ones? Do you remember? Tim Ferriss, I think, was one of the yeah. first big ones. And then there was um, the TED Radio Hour. Okay. On the NPR podcast. And I listened to the... I started on the School of Greatness. Yeah. Yeah, Lewis yeah. Howes. And, and I think why things change for me, it's not negligible, the effect that they had on me, to listen mm. to people who are positive. Initially, I used to listen to, to Tim Ferriss just because I found it so fascinating, all these crazy people 
in Silicon Valley and with their first world problems. Uh, I was just fascinated by it. And then eventually you started going, well, they're just humans. They're just, they're no different to me or better than me or something. They just mm -hmm. have bigger ways of thinking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's very cool. Mm. I'm going to take that with me. Oh, I was wondering about practices that you do mm -hmm. to keep yourself sane. Mm -hmm. And I guess we've spoken about how you're not saturating yourself in clinical veterinary work. Yeah. Is there any just practices you do? Mindfulness? Is it you go for a run? Like any you can all of give the, any tips? All of the above, yeah, for sure. It's a when you in the space as well, but isn't it fascinating the the burnout protection things, the resilience building things? It's actually so such common sense. Mm. There's nothing special about it. It's, it's just, just like, we don't freaking do it. Be a normal human. <laughs> sleep, big big thing. I've become way more mindful of my sleep patterns, mm -hmm. and it's probably because I went from you know watching so single kids free, watching TV late at night, just not being disciplined about my sleep. Um, and then shifted to parent. So then your sleep goes completely falls to pieces. And then starting an after hours, after hours vet business. Mm. And so I had a combination of a, my second kid and work shift work. Mm. And for a period there, I actually thought I was developing depression. I was very down. Uh, and then kids started sleeping. I started doing fewer night shifts and I started sleeping. And I just mm -hmm. went, I feel vastly different. Mm -hmm. My motivation at work, everything is just so much better. And that's, I've gone down rabbit holes on, again, podcasts and books on sleep. Yeah, sleep, yeah. And you just go, it's probably the key, the number one building block. Mm -hmm. and, I, and now I'm aware of it, even if I can't sleep, if I'm in the day and feeling uninspired or a little bit down or I don't feel like something and I can stop and go, yeah, right, I'd actually... I went to bed too late last night. And or even just that, knowing, okay, well, I'm, there's nothing wrong with me. My life doesn't suck. You just haven't slept enough. Just have a good sleep and you'll be better. I did a placement at AES. Yeah. And I loved it. But I I would do it if I could sleep better. But I found challenging. how I felt during those two weeks, just like my mental health actually went down. Mm. And I based on the fact that, I just wasn't sleeping mm -hmm. right and all yeah, this shift you, work. It didn't work for me. For you, yeah, that's right. It's a challenge, right? Um, anybody considering emergency and critical care work, doable, but you've got to be very disciplined. You mm -hmm. have to have very good systems and structures in, in place to make sure that you sleep because of that. For, for, again, I do shifts by AES. I, I work for them now, but I had my own after hours connect. The end of emergency careers, it's always because of sleep. Uh, mm -hmm. But you have some people who do it lifelong because they have really good systems. They, they sleep in between shifts or their transitions. They have ways of, of managing that um, in, a, in a better way. It also is easier when you're younger. I, heard, I learned that the other day that we genuinely become worse at less sleep as you get, I think, 40 plus. So uh, you guys in your 20s, go for it. Go, go nuts, go nuts. You can, yeah. you can withdraw your bank account. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it catches up with you. So sleep's huge. Mm -hmm. Exercise is huge. Again, basic stuff. Um, I if I feel it if I'm not active, I feel it mentally. I don't exercise anymore to be fit or to look good. I exercise for my mental health. Mm -hmm. So it's the first thing I go. If I'm feeling non-resilient, burnt out, tired, the first thing I go is, oh, I'm going for a run. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. It's the last thing I feel like doing, but I know that that's going to fix it. Mm. And then your stuff, right? The the mindfulness stuff, the meditation, and that. Uh, I've been getting into that probably the last five years or so. Mm-hmm. Not as uh, as consistently as I would like to. Uh, I, I feel like you have a really good practice. Mm-hmm. But it's helped for sure. Le- even just learning about it, learning about the concepts of it and the, the, the concepts of ego, yeah, me and I and yeah. all that sort of stuff. Yeah. To understand that this little character that lives your life, Isn't it, it's a story and it's, it's not who you really are and all these mm-hmm. things. It's, it's almost like a movie that you're watching. It's this little dude, little ego, mm. and everything upsets him, and he, you know, it's not, it's not real in the sense. You, can you know what I mean? Separate right? yourself, yeah, yeah, from who you think you are, and that's part of the meditations I do. You're observing yourself mm-hmm. to see what thoughts are coming in, yeah, and then you're kind of just watching them yeah. from above, and you can then see like what is triggering that thought to come mm-hmm. in, and you can, I guess recognize it and let it flow through you mm. in a way and that's massive and even on a less let's say almost spiritual level or meta level just mm. the neurology behind it mm. the cognitive brain versus the emotional brain and understanding that and even just with the client interaction it makes such a big difference i heard it really good um Somebody told me about a book by a psychologist the other day called The Elephant. Well, the book's not called The Elephant Rider, but the concept. Mm-hmm. So in my mind, it's always been, I understand that I've got my cognitive brain and I understand that I've got my emotional responses and that's evolutionary remnant, really. Mm-hmm. But I always thought it was sort of a fair fight. In fact, I feel like my cognitive brain is in charge and mm-hmm. I just, there's this annoying emotional part that I have to sometimes suppress. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this psychologist says, no, no, it is like, a person riding a trained elephant. The elephant is the emotional brain. Cognitive cognitive brain is the rider. Mm. And on a good day, he's in control. And the elephant's well trained, and he can he can make him do what he wants. But if the elephant gets upset, you have no chance. Mm-hmm. You're holding on for dear life until things calm down. And that sort of concept, even just understanding that, is is big for me, for myself, and for dealing with others. So now when I'm in the well, my kids. You know, when I'm having an argument with my kids and I can't understand why they're not being reasonable, stopping and going, ah, it's because I'm talking to the elephant. The ride is offline. Mm-hmm. So just the hold off. And it works with clients. When clients get stroppy or angry or I feel like I've not had an angry client, uh, an unreasonable client for the, for the last five years. But it's not because I haven't. It's because my perceptions changed. Because mm-hmm. I go, yeah, you're not angry at me. Your elephant's just upset. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, so that's massive shift for me. That that personal development side of things definitely helps with their resilience. And that's interesting. When I talk about what the conscious vet is, mm-hmm. for me, it's a what a conscious vet is is a person that can recognize how they're feeling. So they recognize when they're being controlled by the elephant. Mm-hmm. That's step one, I think. Mm-hmm. And then step two is acting on that. Yeah. So it's like you can just ride that elephant and he'll take you but you know the little man sitting on top that cognitive brain can like i don't know tell him to slow down and that's you acting and using going for a run like you were saying or maybe it's like recognizing i haven't slept i've slept four hours in the last two days exactly right i think of that often i've I've created my own story around the elephant rider and Mm. i think the elephant rider is the first guy to go offline when you haven't slept yeah or when you are 
you've worked too much or something like that. The rider goes, all right, I'm done. I'm having a nap. So who's left in charge? Yeah. <laughs> it's all in effect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so no, I, I listen to your stuff and I, I think it's very a very important message. So when I, the same concept, so it helps me with dealing with others, definitely helps me with understanding myself better. Mm-hmm. So exactly that, that recognition. Why am I so grumpy? Why am I upset? What am I so worried about? What am I feeling anxious about? Not in a critical way, in a curious mm. way. To go, okay, I'm, I need to go do this surgery, but I, I'm, I recognize that I'm trying to find ways not to do it. Mm. Why? Why am I scared of it? Okay, then you can have a conversation with yourself. Why don't you want to do this? Well, I'm scared I'm going to stuff it up. Okay, but why does that scare you? Because often the answer is because I don't want to look stupid. <laughs> I don't want to look bad. So yeah, that, that goes a long way to having a sustainable career and taking care of yourself and then looking stupid is kind of the ego as well yeah because it's you thinking that that situation is targeting you yep as a person and you're stupid Mm -hmm. but it's not it's just a situation that's happening and you're separate to that and you can look down on that and be like this has happened yeah don't be the elephant think about okay what can i do and then you know, steer it in a different direction, yeah. I think. Yeah. We talk about this like it's easy. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I, I talk about these things and I love learning about it. Mm. I suck at it. Mm-hmm. I, I often only realize it was the elephant two days later. They're like, oh, shit, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> or, I, uh, or, yeah, walk around stewing for two days about somebody saying something that upset me. And then it, at least now I eventually get there. Whereas in the past, it would be a whole week of being miserable, mm-hmm. not understanding why, but now going, oh, yeah, that's why I'm such a cranky bastard. I and it might come from a friend recognizing. That's why like, I think just talking to friends, and I've noticed in fifth year, I'm alone a lot more. Mm-hmm. So I find just talking to my friends every now and again, they might help me realize what's actually happening. Yeah. Um, and the, the right friends. And that's... A- it's such a key thing. So you talk about one of my, my tools. So we said sleep, exercise, mindfulness, relationships, mm-hmm. connection relationships. That's a big thing that happens. I think a part of why I wasn't, why I struggled with vet. So my first job went to the UK by myself and it was cool. Like I had, it was a good supportive practice in that, but I was lonely. Mm. It's very hard to be happy when you're lonely. Mm-hmm. And it happens so easily with our profession because you are so focused on Mm. work 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 and then when you talk to people you talk about more work 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 yeah and often negative stuff but having good quality relationships of sorts or whether it's mm. a, a romantic other or something like that mm. or just having friends mm-hmm. going outside of your space and finding friends who you do stuff with that makes you happy so a sport or a hobby or something like that mm-hmm. huge simple stuff Mm. Oh, very Sim- simple, isn't simple, it? Not, <laughs> yeah. Simple, not yeah. Simple, simple, not easy. Simple, maybe simple, not easy. Yeah. That's exactly mm-hmm. right. I'm gonna go out on a limb. Mm-hmm. Like everyone else, I guess there's some parts of your life that you might not have together. Mm-hmm. But suppose you had everything together in your life. What do you think your life would look like, and what would a perfect day kind of be? Well, maybe you have it all together. I don't think there's such a thing as mm. having it all together. Mm. I think the expectation of that is a is a uh, fallacy mm-hmm. and will make you unhappy. It's a daily thing, adjustment and readjustment. Some days are great, some days are not. But again, 
there's so many factors that plays into that. Uh, a great day for me. Uh, it comes down to a lot of time to do the things. I like. So my situation at the moment, I do my clinical shifts, um, but then I spend a lot of time doing the podcasting, interviewing, editing, working, sitting at my desk, which I like the work, but again, we talked about too much, yeah. too much of a good thing. So a perfect day would be if I could wake up early. Um, so this is how I do try and plan my day. Wake up an hour or so before my kids for some peace and quiet, and I sit and have a cup of coffee and read something. Uh, something not you know something of substance mm-hmm. a good book yeah. or something like that whether it's a personal development or just a good fiction book so like 20 minutes half an hour of that try and meditate um, get an hour or so of work done so I make my podcast stuff mm-hmm. and then the rest of the day I don't mind that much but as long as I get outside if I can surf, that's the best, but that's the mm. downside of surfing. There's not always surf, but if it's not surf, if I can do some... Scarcity probably makes you value yeah. more. <laughs> Absolutely. But if not surf, then I run outside or just something physical. So mm. making time in the day for that. Time for relationships, and that often is the first thing that suffers. So my primary relationship is ships, uh, kids and wife. Mm-hmm. The kids get enough, I think, while I try, which means... The wife relationship often gets neglected because that's the easiest thing to well make up with. So that having time to have a meal together or go do something together, mm-hmm. and then doing meaningful meaningful work, right? Mm. Doing something it doesn't always have to be fun, mm. but we go at the end of the day, that was good, made a difference to somebody, mm-hmm. and that goes for vet work, and that's such an important thing, and I think that's probably maybe part of it why. When you work all the time, it can become less satisfying because you do so much of it that you stop recognizing mm. the, the meaning in it. So the reason I pointed out earlier, forget about the life-saving stuff. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. I had one this weekend. I worked Sunday and I had a life-saving case mm-hmm. and that's, that's epic. That's so what really should cool. I look forward to? What, how do moments I of, Moments of impact. Mm-hmm. Moments of impact. That dumbass ear infection that you've seen 20 of this week that you're so annoyed with because they're so frustrating. Just giving a bit of comfort to that patient, doing something mm. to make it better. And then also the human element. Those annoying clients, well, I say annoying, they're not. But that's often the perception that you get out there. A little bit of reassurance, saying you don't have to worry about that or let's do this, making a plan. Those are all little moments throughout the day that have impact on somebody or something's life mm-hmm. and recognizing that and being yeah. grateful for it i, I like that been... you challenge that too because that's really something that i've kind of been holding on to in a sense the life-saving but, thing yeah life-saving and changing lives but what does that really look like in the clinic and it can be just these simple things and it's just taking the moment to recognize those things mm. the ear infections or mm. like a nasty patient comes in but you're able to maybe achieve mm. some sort of level of treatment for that animal like yeah i think i probably should flip my perspective on that in a yeah. sense yeah it's the little wins and look and it is hard it's hard to maintain that level of enthusiasm because it is you'll do the same thing a thousand times it's very hard to stay enthusiastic about anal glands mm. <laughs> <laughs> but you, yeah, you can be enthusiastic <laughs> about delegating them to someone else <laughs> but you're still providing comfort <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, and that's that's why these things that we're talking about, the mindfulness stuff, um, try so hard to get a good gratitude practice going. Do you have a, a good gratitude practice? Like sitting down every day, that, that's one of the big resilience mm. things that I'm learning more and more, they say, is 
having a practice where you go every day once and they sit down and write down three things that you're grateful for. Mm. And if, to improve potentially your great gratefulness practice, it's been shown, I was listening to Huberman Lab, mm-hmm. um, and you should think of things also that people are grateful of that you have done. Yeah, well, okay. Because that's actually when you get the largest hormonal release is when mm. you're able to think of a time someone was grateful for you and soaking in that. Yeah. Just a little little tip. That's but cool. I do that in my meditation. That's one of the strategies I was talking about. How do we get that thinking um, emotion loop? Yeah. If I think about something that someone has been grateful for me, I'm able to hack into that yeah, and that's get cool. to that emotional Because level. again, what, that's great for your feelings of self-worth as well. As mm-hmm. if you recognize every day that, yeah, I'm, I'm useful. Mm. I do some cool shit. Mm. It's interesting. I, years ago, because you asked me that question and I, I've, lots of these questions I have and still do ask of myself. Mm. I, I scribble stuff down. And it's, I think it's important, if you can at all, to make time or take time to sit and think. It's yeah. a problem. That's why I'm so bad at meditation because I, I just want to think. <laughs> yeah. But then having a pen and paper and and ask questions. Mm-hmm. I've I've got old. I wouldn't say a journal in the traditional sense, but I'll scribble mm-hmm. thoughts down. I have books where I I wrote down what does a good day look like, mm-hmm. and and saying having that the metrics to say well I I can't say that I'm not living a good day if I don't even know what it looks like, and I think I'd write down mm-hmm. if I can look back at the end of the day and say what did I learn and who did I help. Mm. And if you can tick one or two of those boxes on most days, then, then again, it depends on your own values. Mm. Everyone some, will have their own questions. For, for somebody, it might be how, many, how much did I earn? Fine. Mm. There's nothing wrong with that. But, but be clear on what a good day looks like so that you can recognize when it's happening. Mm-hmm. I have a, a, the perfect non-work-related day. I, I had a, a thing a couple of years ago. The, the stuff that I like, a good surf, and this was during that period when I wasn't sleeping. A good sleep, a good surf, a good steak, the, <laughs> <laughs> and another S. I won't get into. It. <laughs> so my my epic day would be a would be a four S day, which yeah. almost never happens. But I, I to, at least to go well, yeah, I'm hitting my S's. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, one thing that I learned about recently. Um, and this is in the topic of setting goals mm-hmm. and I find if I set too many goals and I don't um, achieve all of them at the end of the day, I'm thinking about those last ones. Yeah. Have you heard of the theory? I forgot what it's called. I could maybe look it up, but it's like the theory of closed loops. Like yeah. if you don't close a loop, uh-huh. then you're going to be thinking about it. And it's interesting that if I don't set any goals but I like have like I want to achieve something in the day and I haven't written it down. It's like I open a loop, but mm-hmm. I never get to close it. Okay. And I think that, yeah, like setting intentional goals and what um, you were saying is like what a good day looks for you. Mm. I feel like at the end of the day, you're able to close that loop and you won't be thinking about, you know, was my day successful or not? Because you have like metrics for it. Is that? Yeah, that makes sense. And I should take my own advice. And I, should, I like the way you frame it because that is probably one of my biggest frustrations with what I do now, the podcast stuff and the so many ideas and so many things to do or that I could potentially do that many days I end up really frustrated because mm. I haven't done a fraction of the stuff I wanted to achieve. 
mm. and maybe re- revisiting it's a good conversation because revisiting the metrics to say well on the greater scheme of things in the greater scheme of things well i might not have gotten that sponsor or you know finished editing that episode that i wanted to but looking back at my own personal values did i did i learn mm. something did i help someone yeah and I you did. can close that circle close that circle yeah it's a good idea i'm gonna mm-hmm. start doing that mm-hmm. actively at the end of the day when you shut the laptop have a little score was, yeah the back of the laptop should be like the questions or something i don't know i like it, I like it. and <laughs> that's then, you cool. can, then you can because you're right because that plays in your head it, it under, that's a very good way of describing it that closed loop mm. and you'll experience it in vet practice as well that case that you haven't solved or that you know like you'll you'll find it when you start working those mm. things will so many open loops so many open loops yeah. uh actually having a metric like that to say as well something like did i try my best did i provide some comfort yes yes tick the box okay i can get some sleep tonight Mm -hmm. i don't have to lie awake obsessing about it do what you can there's a there's a stoic saying that i really like do what you can with what you have where you are maybe that should be the question have i done that with my day yep okay cool Mm -hmm. (laughs) lip closed yeah (laughs) (laughs) um i think it's probably coming to a time when we should wrap it up close the loop close we need to close the loop (laughs) and um i ask a final question to everyone and i think it's actually like because i was listening to some of your podcasts and i think you ask a similar Similar question question. but it's good to hear and i guess it's going to be great that you get to answer maybe your own question perhaps Mm. um which is i frame it like this if there was everyone i think i'll stick to veterinary students Mm -hmm. because i feel like that's where the most impact will be had. Um, if you had all the veterinary students in front of you and you could give them just one kind of word of advice or one impact statement. Yeah. Yeah. What? That's what exactly my question. Say? That's what I finished my podcast with. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't realize until I was listening to someone, I was like, oh. <laughs> it's, um, and it's, it's a tough question. Mm. Now that somebody's asking it of me, I feel bad for making people because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's so much to say. I, I think at, at sitting the last day or so trying to think about what will be the most helpful. Years ago, I watched this movie. I don't even know what the movie was. It was like a road trip movie. Uh, an older mentor person and a young boy. So I was a kid when I watched this. And the mentor figure says to the boy, there's only two rules in life. First rule is don't sweat the small stuff. And the second rule is everything is small stuff. Mm. Which, obviously that's not true. Everything's not small stuff. But it's probably less of a big deal than you think. Mm. There's things that are going to upset you, that you're going to stress about. Even when you look at, air quotes, bigger things like the board complaint or the patient that dies or mm-hmm. stuff like that. In the grand scheme of your life, it's not really that significant. Mm. Stuff that you're obsessing over for this week or today or for the next month or so. And I can, and that's everybody that I speak to in the profession and my own experience. Stuff that had me in an absolute state. Mm. Five years later, that doesn't matter. It's long gone. It's, you've got to deal with it at the moment. And don't sweat the small stuff doesn't mean don't care do your best and if something does go wrong obviously there's accountability and check what could have done better and that so don't ignore it and don't go oh well but 
I, I look at it like this. If you, if you look at the, at the share price, at a graph of a share price or something, and you look at the changes in the share price in the last 24 hours or five days or something, it mm. varies wildly. It goes up and down. And if it was your shares, you'd go, oh, shit, it's dropped 50%. It's, it's terrible. Mm. Zoom out to the five-year view. Yeah. And those couple of changes are insignificant. Mm -hmm. So that's probably the one of the bigger things is the stuff that you're going to tie yourself into knots over. It's not really that important. <laughs> that's great advice. If there's anything else that you'd feel like we should discuss. Uh, yeah, um, I, I, I had like a, to. Can I cheat and have a second lesson? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just one bit of advice. Yes, go so, ahead, so, Something that I'm, that I'm learning over the last couple of years as well is looking at the things that are going to upset you. And I've said this on my own podcast a few times. Mm -hmm. There's a, and it gets a little bit, you're going to say the word love and people get uncomfortable with that. Mm. But there's a, a speech by Jim Carrey. He's, um, you know, they do those commencement speeches for the big universities. Mm, oh, yes. And yes, he, I love them. he ends his speech with a statement that really resonates. And he says, in the end in life, you only ever have two choices, love or fear. And the answer is always love. Something along those lines. Mm. And I find that with work, the more I look at it. When I interview vets who are 30 years in and still loving their jobs or 40 years in and that, the, the ones that thrive in it and love their jobs, they, they do it it's about the relationships and exactly contributing. It's not about that. They don't get too hung up on the small little problems. Mm. And I have this theory that vet practice, but maybe life in general, and we can change it from love. When I talk about vet practice, I think maybe not using the word love because, again, people have this romantic connection, mm. but heart. Mm -hmm. To me, it's heart, heart yeah. versus fear. Mm -hmm. It comes down to those things. And the things that you do, when I practice, when I make decisions, when I make clinical decisions, when I write my show notes and all those sort of things, there's two ways of practicing. And the one is with fear. And I see that a lot. Fear-based practice. Fear-based fear -based decision-making. How can I make this decision so that I don't stuff it up? So that I don't get in trouble? That's, that's not a happy career. Mm. It's just, it's just living in that stress-based response. Mm -hmm. Flip it around and go, I, I, I love this. I want to make this patient better. I want to help this patient. I'm going to act mm. in that mindset of it's heart-based. The other stuff, and again, there's stuff, like I've mulled this over my own theory a lot. There are things in life that are going to be fear-based. Like I have house insurance and car insurance because I'm scared. Mm. <laughs> and I'm going to suck it up. That's okay. Fear's got its place. But when I'm obsessing about something or worried about something or making a decision on something, often stopping and going, okay, am I I'm worried because, it's because of my fear response? Because I'm scared of embarrassing myself? Or, mm. or am I... And then fl flipping it around, going, well, practice with heart, I think, goes a hell of a long way. Mm -hmm. Wow. I just really want to thank you, especially reaching out to me. It felt, it just made me realize that, you know, this platform does have some great value. And it kind of like just gave me that little bit of motivation and backing that I needed. So I want to thank you for coming on the Veterinary Humans podcast and just Thank you for being a veterinary human. Fantastic. And thank you so much for having me on and, and for the stuff that you do. Because again, what we said earlier, it's important that people step up and, and say something. So that's why I wanted to reach out. I, I've been following your stuff. I listened to, to a couple of your podcasts and I love it. So keep getting the positivity out there.